1: to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. And today on Friday, we do Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. And Nancy Allspa Jackson is not able to be with me this morning. She um, has something that she needs to do with her son, Wyatt. And uh, we want to give a big shout out to Wyatt, who graduated from high school this week, which is absolutely amazing. And I got a lot uh, that we want to talk about here on the show today. And we're going to have guest licensed marriage and family therapist, Vince Redmond, a little bit later on in the show. And trust me, we're going to need him uh, cause I got a lot I want to talk about, but, um, first and foremost, I want to say that if you are a, a praying kind of person and you watch this show, then you know, and love Joanne Lara. And I'm going to just, I'm not at liberty to say a whole lot. So I'm just going to say that she you needs your prayers today. So if you are that praying kind of people, just say, uh, say a word for Joanne this morning. And she will be ticked at me for having said that to you. And I am with love Joanne, go ahead, be ticked at me. I hope you call me up and yell at me. That would make my freaking day, because uh, I love you so. So, um, man, a lot has gone on this week. And let me just say that we are a world and especially a nation that is struggling. And everybody is having a lot of emotions right now. And it seemed to me last night that there was like the scales had tipped a little bit and it went to pure anger. There's a lot of anger going on in the world right now. And I'm a firm believer that where there is anger, there is fear below, Um, that at the very bottom of all anger is fear, 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 fear. And I I was seeing anger sprouting up everywhere yesterday, including in myself. I'm angry. we should be, everybody should be angry right now. God knows there's enough to be angry about, right? Um, And, um, but I think it's worthwhile to step back and go, okay, I can't control what's happening, but I can ask myself, what am I angry about? And what is the fear beneath that? And I'm going to ask everybody within the reach of this show for a moment to ask yourself, what are you angry about? And what is the fear beneath? And I can't take everything that's going on And I can't take on all of it in the news because, man, it's it's, you know, bigger than I can get my head around. Right. Um, But I it was in our um, lineup for us to talk about two very specific stories this morning on Autism Live. And I found myself not even waiting until this morning. I posted something on Facebook last night, something that I, I just couldn't I couldn't. I couldn't hold back and you know, I try to show a great deal of restraint on Facebook because I believe at the bottom of everything, everybody gets to have an opinion and everybody's feelings are valid. And to say anything else is just crazy town, right? But I want us to make sure that we're feeling what we're feeling because, it, you know, because it's what we're feeling and not that it's masking a fear that we're doing. So what am I talking about? There were two stories in the news this week, horrible, horrible stories. One, uh, and if you watch the show, you know that I believe that people do things for attention. And so I don't like to say people's names. I know when Nancy is here and we're doing a news story, I won't say the name and Nancy will read the name and I'm like, don't say their name. You're giving them attention. So I'm not gonna say people's names. I'm gonna refer to them as mom one, who is the psycho mom. And then I'm gonna refer to them as mom two, who is the YouTuber mom, okay? And one of the things that I hate the most right now is false equivalency. Uh, A lot of you are mad at both of these moms and God knows like you are entitled to all of the emotions that you have, right? I'm not trying to say don't feel what you're feeling, but let's be productive about this. So we have mom one, psycho mom, who I don't know what her deal is. Um, I seriously don't, but it scares me to death. And, and I like to be afraid, and so it brings up me, in me an anger and a rage on behalf of our kids and individuals who are on the autism spectrum, because I want to protect them from people like her. I seriously don't know what her deranged deal is, but she's deranged. And how do I know that she's deranged? Because, I, like, you know, I watched the video of her pushing her child in the canal and then running away. Um and I, you know, am able to see the look on her face and to know that two minutes later she ran and got help for him, they came back and helped him out of the water. and then an hour later she took him and drowned him, you know, did the deal again, managed to be successful that time, and then ran to the police and said that two black men had stopped her car and asked her for drugs and took her child. And she asked for help from people in the autism community to help her child who was missing. She's deranged. That is psycho mom. I don't, like like I said, she scares me. And all I have wished this week is that somebody could have found her or that kid before and been able to say, are you not able to do this? Let me take it. If you can't do this, somebody else can, don't do this. You got something going on cookie that I don't know if it can be fixed but for sure it's not our top priority. Our top priority is getting your kids safe and out of your deranged clutches. Like how many hours did I spend this week thinking, man, I hope that if there are people who feel this way they will step forward and they will go, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And listen, we're not saying that that's an easy thing to do, right? But anything, I would, I like, I, I, when things like that happen, I want to be able to have a rewind button, rewind and go get that kid. Am I alone here? I think a lot of you feel this way and felt this way too. So along comes story number two with mom number two, YouTuber mom. And we hear that she has put out a statement that she has rehomed her four-year-old that she adopted from China. And man, the wall of anger. And listen, I get it. Have your feelings, totally have your feelings, but look at what the fear is. What is the fear underneath that? Because I guarantee you there's some fear under there. And I have fear. I have fear um, because a lot of time now I talk to moms that whose kids are at different stages on the spectrum who are realizing that they have come to an impasse where they are no longer able to serve their child. And it's for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's because the parent has developed an illness and they physically can't do it, right? Other times it's because the parent is so emotionally drained that they don't, they can't They're not able to do it anymore. And sometimes it's just that the kid is so big that they can't, they're not able to do it anymore. Sometimes it's that the routines are so ingrained that they can't change it, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes it's better for a child to not be with their parents. And this crosses every single line there is. It isn't just about autism, but it's prevalent in autism. And by the way, I have come to see, because of my wonderful friend, Joanne Laura, who again, needs your prayers today, that it is the natural course of things for eventually when kids are older to not live with their parents. That it should never be a thing that a a child stays with their parents forever. And I'll tell you why, because this is where we really get into the fear, folks. We are all afraid of what happens when we're not. What happens when we're not here to take care of our kids and who will be there and will that be someone who's responsible? Or will that be somebody who rehomes them? Right? Isn't that part of it? You know, if we are afraid of who takes care of our kids when we are not here, I deal with on a daily basis parents who have teens, young adults and middle-aged adults who say, I'm stuck. I feel like I'm only a good parent if I sit, I can see that they would do better if they were someplace else, but I feel like I wouldn't be a good parent if I placed them in a a group home, if I put them in their own apartment, I would feel like I was giving up. And they struggle with those feelings of guilt. But we've seen folks that the reality is that that parent eventually dies or goes in the hospital. And then it's this wham, bam, we have to do it quickly. And it's really hard on the individual. Now, I'm not trying to create a false equivalency. This was a four-year-old little boy. But even four-year-olds, there are some parents who are not equipped. And I get it, part of your anger is that you feel like she capitalized on her children. She monetized them, she got sponsors. I gotta be honest with you guys, that as a person who made a decision many years ago, I I tell you guys all the time that I was on the floor praying and said, please help me to help my child. And if you help me to help my child, I will do what you showed me to do and I will turn around and help whoever I can. And that has been a jagged little pill, right? Because I want to be there to help parents, but it has also meant giving up a piece of our privacy and a piece of my son's privacy, which I don't take lightly. And when my son was old enough, we started having conversations all the time about, is it okay to talk about this? Is it not okay to talk about this? And there's lots of stuff I don't talk about to preserve his privacy. Um, There are things that I tell you guys about, and there are things that I don't. Um, And when you are a person, when you make a decision to be in the public eye, and people do it for different reasons. Uh, I don't know what her motives were. I know that she was somebody who was trying to be a YouTuber and not being very successful. And then she went through an international adoption and saw that she gained a lot of viewers and she got a lot of sponsorship from it. Uh, I know that you know there was a moment when they weren't looking to adopt a special needs child, but like a lot of people who go through international adoption, they are given classes about the fact that the reality is you probably are adopting a child who's special needs and you better get used to it. But you know what, you can explain that to somebody till the cows come home and the reality of it is different. And you know, she tried, she wasn't up to it. Her family wasn't up to it, I don't know why. But I can guarantee you that it was not an easy decision to decide to let him go to somebody else and to go permanently. I don't, I can't imagine doing that. I really cannot, but I watch parents struggle every single day with being able to say, this is where I'm no longer effective for this child. And my fear is that this backlash and making this woman, you know, who had lots of other things going on, that those parents are now going to feel like, see, you're a bad parent if you let your child go live with somebody else and let them Pick up the care of your child, custodial care of your child. And I'm so afraid because there are parents out there who need help. And we see what happens when they don't get help. It's not just the woman who pushed her child in the canal, there have been people who have been hurting children. And we have got to stop acting like it's all hearts and flowers and roses, right? This is tough. And we know, first and foremost, we in the autism community know this is not an easy haul. It's not for everybody. I know some of you are out there are heroes and that you are getting it done every day. And this is unconscionable to you that she had her four-year-old placed because there's so much that can be done at four. But you know what? She couldn't do it. I'm so grateful that kid's alive. I'm so grateful that whatever that woman had going on, you can judge whatever her monetizing, you know, her story. But here's the deal and People said to me last night on Facebook, you need to look her up and see this woman is, you know, whatever. I really don't, but I did. I looked up and I saw that she was not trying to monetize. She was, I mean, the truth is, she, it looks like she was trying to hide the fact that she had had her child placed someplace else because she wasn't talking about it. And when people were asking him about it online going, where is he? You know, we, we enjoyed watching him. Where is he? Where has he gone? And they were persistent. And that's when she came forward and made a really stupid statement about rehoming him. What a stupid thing to say. Okay. We can be upset about that. We can be upset about the whole thing, but I'm saying, please don't vilify the fact that She said, I can't do this. Please, there are lives at stake, lots of lives at stake. So I'm asking you, have your feelings, have them, you know, I I would love to say to you, none of us should judge, but we all are, including myself. We're judging, but look at where your fear is. What is your fear? I feel like for a lot of us, our fear is that in moments like this, we go, see, people don't get it. And it's just us and our kids. And we gotta protect them that much harder, right? <sighs> That's not entirely true. There's a lot of people who get it. And a lot of people who care about our kids and who give their lives for our kids. But there are some people who aren't. And we just gotta, we just gotta look and know the difference, right? And, and I gotta say, God bless the parent who is willing to say, yeah, tag out, I can't but for the good of that child, I'm gonna make sure that there was somebody who can. And from everything I hear, YouTuber mom did that and psycho mom didn't. They are not equal, they are not even. Feel free to be mad at me and say how much you dislike what YouTuber mom did, but at least that kid is safe. And I understand that there's an emotional component to it. It's not great, right? but at least he's alive. Uh, Okay, that was my rant. Uh, I see that we're saying hello to Chaka. We're saying hi to Christina. We're saying hi to Anna and Michelle and uh, Sahas and Anna Marie. And um, I know somebody wrote in and said, my heart is breaking. My heart is broken, absolutely broken. Um, But I know that these things will continue. And we have to be adult, we have to look at them. And I just wanna say, if there's anybody out there who feels like, man, I just don't think I can do this another day, please reach out. Please reach out. Don't harm yourself, don't harm your child. Um, it's just not, that's not acceptable. Okay. Um, so much going on, right? Uh, but we have Vince Redmond, who's gonna be with us. I told you, we're gonna need a, uh, <laughs> a licensed family and marriage therapist to get through this. And, and these are not the only things going on in the world, but I know for the autism community, like sometimes things that are going on in the world that feel like, like what could we possibly, possibly do? Um, sometimes I feel so small in the world and feel like, man, you know, like I wish I could fix that. And, and I just feel powerless. Um, so we, you know, I think as autism parents, we sort of move our, our, uh, like we're like lighthouses and we move our light and we go, here's this other thing. Okay. I'm going to focus all my energy on this one thing, um, that affects our community. Cause we feel like we have a little bit more traction there. Um, and it's what it's been a bad week. It has been a bad, bad week. Um, but it's Friday and we have learned in this autism community, we're going to pick up and just keep on going because that is what we do. And we're gonna love our kids and we're gonna our kids and we're gonna love on them and their friends and other people in the community because that is what we do. And you know what? When we meet other people who love on our kids, we're gonna appreciate them. And if there's one thing you can do today, that's, you know, if there's somebody in your kid's life who's making a difference, who's not a part of your family or his extended family, reach out to them and say, God bless you. You're the kind of people that make me want to be on this planet, because I know you get my, my kid. I know that you love my kid and you love them for who they are, not in spite of who they are, which is the greatest gift anybody can give anyone in this life. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. Okay, do we have Vince? Because <laughs> I need Vince, is Vince with us? Uh, let's see if Vince is with us. Uh, hey, I'm sending big hugs to Paula too. Um, yeah, to, to my adoptive moms out there, right, um, love to you guys, um, because it's a big, big deal to put your heart out there and say that you're going to adopt a kiddo. And I know lots of adoptive parents who they would tell you, yeah, the origin story is that I adopted my child, but my child is my child. And, you know, you know that's everything, right? And I know that a lot of people looked at this story and said the fact that she rehomed that kid meant that she never got there with that kid. And I don't know if that's true or not, because I know lots of parents who have kiddos on the autism spectrum, and they are their kids, and they love them, and they make the decision that their child is better off not in their home. And that is a thing y'all. So I hope that we don't like, we don't know everything about this story. We don't. And just like when people give a child up for adoption and they go this, I don't have the wherewithal to have a child. So I'm going to give this child to someone who can, that is an act of love. That is an act of courage and strength and bravery. And when an autism parent says, I can't do this, so I'm gonna give them to somebody else. We have to look at it that way too. Yeah, she used the wrong words. And I don't know that, like I've watched her stuff. I don't, I I get the sense that she and I are never gonna be close friends, right? Um, Which is why I'm not saying her name, I'm not giving her any more attention for this. But, but in terms of what was right for that child, it is indisputable. The facts are there. That was not the home for that child, it wasn't. And he is someplace now that I understand that he has someone who absolutely adores the ground that he walks on and is someone who has a medical background, knows exactly what they're getting into and that child is gonna make great progress. Fingers crossed, um, fingers crossed. Okay, uh, so we don't have Vince yet, that's okay. Uh, what, I wanna know from you guys, what. Uh, disagree with me. Feel free to disagree with me. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell, tell me what you're mad about. Tell me what you're afraid about. Because we've, we've tossed a lot out there this morning. I'm just checking on to our other um, to our live feature. I didn't even start at the beginning telling you guys how you could connect. You can connect with us right now through autism-live.com. You can also be connecting with us on Facebook live. And we are on YouTube, Periscope, and Twitter at the moment. Okay. Um, I wanna encourage you if you haven't already take a look at what Holly Robinson Pete had to say about mom number one. I have to be honest that like, I wasn't gonna watch the video and I thought if I'm gonna talk about this, I need to be able to talk about this and have as much information as I can have, right? It's unthinkable that she could do that to her child and do it not once, but twice. That's why I say she's, she's a psycho bag of whatever. And the fact that in this environment, that when she was trying to get the attention that she was trying to get and trying to get people to think that she was a victim, that she would, as a white woman, say that it was two black men is another layer for me in this environment that I cannot, I cannot. It is unthinkable to me. And on behalf, like on behalf of every white woman, I am angry at her for that on top of everything else. Um, Okay, uh, some big hugs. Uh, Somebody says, uh, stepmoms to my oldest uh, with ASD. I raised my stepson since he was five. It was so hard, but I'm glad he is in my life. He is 26 now. Um, You know, we, I have a dear friend that I love who recently said, "You know, we end up with a family that we're supposed to end up with. And I think that that's true. And sometimes you're with a family that you're not supposed to be with, and that's rough. That is really, really rough for everybody who has ever felt like they were in a family and they didn't belong there, right? When you finally found the family that you were supposed to be with. And sometimes that journey is long and hard I know adults that are, you know, are still like, you know, finally now, um, in their later years, finding the home that they're supposed to be with. And it's rough until you find them. And for children, it's just horrible, um, horrible for me, but I, I cling, cling to the fact that that little boy is where he is supposed to be now. And, and I also want to say that, you know, everybody was saying, you know, she's monetized, she's monetized, she's monetized. And, You know, people have said she should have to take down every post where uh, that includes him that that she monetized. Don't worry, like she's going to lose her sponsors for that. If that's really what you need. Trust me, that's already in the works. Uh, Somebody said I was terrified about uh, not being around my child when he grows up. He was three at the time and now he's almost five. I got to be honest, you know, um, I really have spent a great deal of time being afraid of uh, what would happen if I wasn't there for my child. And in fact, you know, um, I it's my OCD went, because my husband and I were almost in a car accident at one point when my son was probably five. And um, no, he was, yeah, he just turned five. And I got upside down. I got totally upside down. Now for me, that upside down meant that I couldn't drive my car and I didn't like being out of, out of my house. I had panic attacks if I was outside of my house and I got, I got so far upside down that I had to do cognitive behavioral therapy. And, um, I finally got to that pivotal, you know, we did weeks and weeks and weeks of cognitive behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy moves really, really slow up to a point, And then it's like, you have the breakthrough moment and then things are easier and better. And they're usually easier and better for the rest of your life. And I got through the breakthrough moment, um, where I realized that the thing I was trying to take control over it everything. And anything that I couldn't take control over, I wasn't participating in. And the breakthrough moment was when I said the words, I can't keep him safe. Even now, right? I was admitting the truth that my son was five years old and that I could do a bunch of things. I could, you know, move heaven and earth and do a bunch of things. And and still, I couldn't ultimately keep him safe because none of us can. When our children are out in the world, walking around and breathing, you know, it's that thing of your heart has this tether and your child is away from you and you, you have to trust, you have to trust and you have to pull on whatever faith you have to know that your child is gonna be okay. What I was able to do once I had that breakthrough was that it you know, becomes the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can. So I was able to look at it and go, I don't, I'm not able to keep him safe 100% of the time, but here are the, you know, 3,000 things that I can do to teach him safety. Here are the 3,000 things that I can do to ensure that our home is as safe as possible. And here are the things that I can put in place for when I'm not here. <sighs> I know, everyone take a breath, right? um but the truth of the matter is is that we all have our way of dealing with that and i made the decision that um i was going to make sets of godparents because there wasn't one person that i could leave my son to and say i know that they'll be they'll be okay and he'll be okay and they'll be able to muster through this and they won't go i can't do this um i'm going to rehome him right uh i decided that that was too much for one person so My husband and I made sure that there were, you know, uh, there's a a family member that uh, she and her husband are, you know, the, the people who were designated to be responsible if anything happened to my son for his guardianship. But we thought of everything that we would want for him to do and we went and got godparents for that. So, for instance, we love theater. And we wanted him to know about theater. And so we went and asked uh, friends of ours. Uh, One of them is uh, someone who's directed on Broadway and the other one is a brilliant playwright. And we said to them, will you please be his theater godparents? If anything happens to us, you are responsible for raising him in theater. And then we went to other friends who were lawyers and said, you're responsible for being the people that if he has a legal question or if there's something legal happening with him, you're up. Um, and, and these people may call you and we have ABA parents that if something's going on that they can call and reach out uh, to him. And we have, you know, spiritual godparents, we have all of that different stuff. Um, okay. Uh, to my friend who says, can't wrap my head around any of this, babe, all I know is that you're doing great work and I'm here if you need me. Thank you so much. I adore you. I know it's extra hard. Uh, for parents who have adopted to think of somebody, you know, and I know you guys are saying it's like giving a dog back. Um, but if your child needed something, if your child needed something right now and you knew for sure that you couldn't do it and someone else could, the only thing you would do is let them do that, right? Um, and, and that's what this is. Uh, Someone else says it's almost every parent's nightmare. This is why it's so important for us to make our children as independent as possible. I don't want anyone to take advantage of my son. And so uh, I have been dedicated. It's, it's a very hard thing. Uh, I hear, I heard they put godparents on birth certificates now. Yes. And typically godparents are thought of as the people who are responsible for an individual's spiritual upbringing and we just decided let's take that to every little pocket of life like who who do we know is really good with finances like a series of experts that we have lined up for our son so that if he needs something who's somebody that would give him a job no matter what and will always have jobs available uh you know like who are the so that it isn't we we tried to think of building a network Instead of just thinking, who, who would we leave him to? Now, my kiddo is turning 17 uh, a week from today, a week from today. And so let me just tell you that I have, in my head, uh, been thinking for the longest time. I have all this time. I have all this time. I have all this time. And now I'm like, I got a year. I got a year. He will graduate from high school and turn 18 on the very same day. And we made the decision many years ago. We sat down with him when he was a teenager and had a conversation with him and explained to him what conservatorship was. And we talked about what what that decision would be based around because my son was cognitively at a place where he could have that conversation. And we talked to him about showing that that he had a few years to show us that he was responsible enough that that would not be a thing. And so we are in the very lucky position that we are not going... He will not be conserved in any way. So on that day, a year and a week from now, he will have total autonomy. And so I have a year to uh, have a say and to front load him with everything that I can possibly think of. And I won't be able to do it all. I won't. There will be things that he needs to learn on his own. And you're all going to have to hold my hand uh, because it's going to be very, very hard for me to let go. Uh, so there we have it. Um, I want to know for you guys, have you, I don't know where Vince is. Have we, uh, Trayvon, have you, I have not heard from him and we need a license in marriage and family therapist, right? Now. <laughs> like, honestly, uh, couldn't we use somebody like that? Uh, okay. I want to switch topics entirely. And I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing next week. Uh, and then if Vince gets here, he might've been held up, um, So next week on the show, we've got some really wonderful guests. On Monday, we're going to have Bonnie Yates, who's going to be with a special education attorney. And if you were here yesterday, Bonnie was talking to us uh, and it's, you know, IEP season and she's busy. Uh, But she mentioned and a lot of you have been reaching out saying, I don't we don't know what to do about the summer because we're not having extended school year. And what do we do? And we're in IEPs right now. And, you know, there's the potential right now to be asking for some compensatory education um, during the summer to make up for the time that they've lost in these last two and a half months, but also to make up for what they would have had for extended school year. And a lot of school districts are just, mm, you know, they're, They're like raising their shoulders and going, we don't know what we have available for you because we don't have things. So Bonnie had heard from another attorney about a service called Air Tutors. And these are people that do one-on-one tutoring online. And they're pretty much available on demand and they cover a wide ground of, uh, Things that they will tutor because they have tutors in different places that specialize in different things. So if you wanted test prep, and by the way, I called them yesterday, they are going to be on the show on Monday. So we're going to have Bonnie on the show. And then we're going to have uh, Hassan from Air Tutors is going to be with us on Monday morning. But I already had an opportunity to talk to Hassan. And I, at first glance, I'm really impressed. Uh, because they started this business because they were working with uh, an individual who had unique needs. Because so often we look at something and we go, "Well, that sounds like a great idea," but can they handle kids who have ADHD? Can they handle handle kids who have autism? Can they handle kids that are, you know, uh, married, you know, five? Can they handle them when they're fifteen? Like, what can they handle? And he seemed to think that he pretty much can handle anything you guys can throw at them. So I'm very excited about that. That's going to be on Monday on Tuesday. We are going to Tuesday is our day now that we're going to be featuring games and puzzles and things. And so we have a gentleman from masterpieces Inc. Who's going to be here with us talking about puzzles uh, because so many of you have taken to doing puzzles and these are unique puzzles. These are above and beyond puzzles. So we're going to, We're going to tickle your fancy on Tuesday with some puzzles, and we probably will squeeze in some meditation on Tuesday too, because we haven't been getting to it on Thursday. On Wednesday, Evelyn Kung is going to be here with us, and she's going to be answering your questions on Thursday. You ready for this? Yadira Calderon is going to be with us. We've had her on the show before. She's an amazing mom. Uh, Her site is the happy, autism happy kingdom and she has a daughter who's on the spectrum and recently Yadira lost her mother and the process of watching her mother die and going through the grief and the paperwork and all of those things with her mother made her think about what will it be like for my daughter I am gone and how will she process the grief so we're going to talk about grief on the spectrum um, and how we prepare our kids for death and how we help them to deal with death and we're going to do that with Yadira and then on Thursday we're going to have Courtney Tarbox. Does that name sound familiar to you? Yes, We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that but Courtney Tarbox is a wonderful professional in her own right and she specializes in ACT, Acceptance Commitment Therapy and she is going to be doing a workshop coming up uh, the week after next, about how to do ACT with our kids on the autism spectrum to help them to deal with their feelings and their anxieties. We've been waiting for this. Courtney's gonna be with us on Thursday to tell us more about that. And then on Friday, we're back here. Nancy Allspaugh-Jackson will be joining me and Tom Island will be here. And you know Tom, he's a wonderful self-advocate and an international speaker. And he's got a lot to say about a lot of things that have been going on in the world that he wants to share with you. Um, And in particular about the rights and the needs of individuals on the spectrum during this COVID emergency. I hear that Vince is here. Vince, we need you more now than ever. Thank you so much for joining us. Um,
0: That is my fault, I apologize.
1: No, no, you're, f- how many times have we like messed up when we were going to meet with you? So do
0: not, do not worry oh, at all. 100% but, me. I was waiting for Skype and then went, maybe she sent me a Zoom. And I looked and went, ah, sorry. <laughs> I don't
1: know. No, it's okay. looking at my phone uh, I, I'm like, ah. No, no, no. It's all okay. This is the first time we've had you on in this way then. Yes. Uh, Well, welcome. Welcome to our zoom format. So Vince, to catch you up, we're so glad you're here because we, we never more have we needed a licensed marriage and family therapist than we have today. And I don't know if you got my message this morning that we were going to talk about this, but there were the two stories this week, and I just went on a rant about them. And I really, I had asked Vince this morning, you guys, if we could talk specifically about the feelings that a parent goes through when they make a decision that their child would be better off and potentially make more progress, not living with them. This is a very hard decision, um, but it is a decision that a lot of the parents need to make, um, but there is guilt guilt vince um and it is not being made easier by the the fact that people are vilifying this mom um, that gave her child up so i want to talk about that first but then i want to talk about for the parents who are desperate and feel like they don't have a way out and are potentially thinking about doing something really horrible and i feel like those are separate things but help me if i'm wrong vince
0: Separate but the same, right? I mean, it's part of the grief, part of the pain, part of the the process that families go through. Now, extremes for sure. We're talking about two yeah. of the extreme situations, but a lot in the middle. We share a lot of the same grief that these two families have gone through, the same struggles that they've gone through, um, the same you know uh, 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 thoughts and, and disappointments and and you know sadness that they've that they've gone through or are currently going through, each have decided different ways to deal with that grief and situation, both very extreme and very, you know, uh, sad to to see and to read overall. But the fact that they're going through it, I think it it touches the heart of all of us, touches the heart of everyone who has uh, a special needs child and has, lived through that grief and that disappointment and the, the shock, you know, that they've gone through. Yeah, yeah, I, you know,
1: so many times this week I've, I've been thinking about the perspective taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, it's one of those things that they talk about endlessly that people on the autism spectrum are not good at perspective taking. And I got to say Vince, I think that all of us need a refresher course in perspective. it's not the same. It's not the same for any of us. And, uh, you know, I'll be the first person to say that, you know, I went through a period of time. I might've gone through two years, two and a half years, maybe even three years where my kid was, you know, kicking my can. I got punched in the head. I got bit. Um, there was a day when I thought that was the rest of my life. And I can, I can tell you how not okay it was. Right. Um, but I very quickly got help. Within a year of my child being diagnosed, I got help. Big time help where they were constantly showing me that he could learn, he could get better. And if I worked at things, they showed me a way out. Right. And it was everything to me because even on the hardest day, I was like, well, um, I guess I'm going to have to learn something new but there are people who can take care of him. He can get better. I can do better at this. I don't know where we'll end up, but I saw hope at the end of the tunnel. I talk a lot of times to families who have not gotten there, that they feel like there is no hope. They feel like they can't get out. And I only know a snippet of what that feels like, a snippet of what it feels like. And I can't imagine how bad that must feel to feel like I'm not gonna be able to do this.
0: And, and like you said, we haven't, while we have maybe have similar boots, we have not stepped in their boots. We don't know what their dynamic is. We don't know what was going on in those families. We don't know what was going on in their lack of support. Maybe they weren't getting support. Maybe they weren't getting the professional guidance that you found inside, it, right? It's not, while it's readily available, sometimes it's hard to find. We've all experienced that we go to certain professionals and they guide us uh, you know maybe a different way that doesn't lead us to hope maybe it leads us more to feeling that that we can't do this or this is something that is is un, un you know un uh uh, uh tolerable and but, we don't know that
1: but i want to be clear and keep saying it that hurting your child or anyone else's child is never okay. Never. There's never excuse for it. There's never a well mitigating factors. No, no. it's against the law. It's morally uh, inconceivable, and it isn't okay. And we and we we can say that somebody was mentally ill, but that is not an excuse for har- harming or killing someone. Right. I just want to be clear about that because people, you know, they'll go, "Well, are you getting wishy washy on this?" No.
0: Oh, no, yeah. no. Not at all. It's, it's like you said, it's understanding that the pain and the, and the, the suffering that they're going through, that the, pa- the parents are going through, that's not a, a reasonable, rational, uh, or an acceptable result, the, the, the one family that, uh, uh, I can't even say it. It's hard, hard to even I know. say, it, right? Um, I know. But it does ring bells. To the professional communities that there's families out there that need support there's families out there that need that hope that need that faith that need to be led to support so that they can be helped not just the child but the family as well you know in in dealing with their suffering, their grieving, their thought process because uh, you know let's be honest obviously the thought process wasn't rational and wasn't wasn't something that was leading to positive and you know and and uh, uh, effective decisions but on the flip
1: side in many cases we see that a child cannot remain and shouldn't remain with their family right. for instance you know the child is 17 years old and and he is big and he re, you know when he has tantrums he you know he has a small mom and he hurts her yeah. right that child it is better for that child to not be at home and in fact vince we see that sometimes when that child goes to another home, that the incidences of the punching reduce, right? Yeah. Um, And it's not the mom's fault, but if you physically can't get to the point where you can defend yourself, then that person is gonna hit more and they're gonna get more of a reinforcer for it and it's not gonna go away. Now that's not your fault, but it's not the best environment for the child to be in. And there's hundreds of other examples of why it is best for someone to not stay with their residential family.
0: Absolutely. What do you, oh, go ahead.
1: ahead. Well, I was just gonna say Vince, what do you say to the, cause I know I can list at least on one hand, five moms that are currently in a position where everyone, the experts, um, you know, their family, even themselves, they admitted, have admitted to themselves that their child is not doing as well as home as they would someplace else, but they can't get over the guilt hump. They can't get over it. They're like, I feel like, who am I if I'm not the person taking care of my child? And why can't I do it? I should just
0: get better. And it's killing them. What do you say to those moms? That you are taking care of your child. That is what you're doing. You are taking care of your child. You're putting them in the environment that they're going to thrive in, that they're going to do better in. That they're going to improve in. It, it, it be another residence, it be a, a residential placement, it be a hospitalization. You are actually caring for your child by doing that, right? Knowing our limitations as parents is huge. Knowing our limitations in sometimes just like you were mentioning, sometimes it's just our physical limitations, right? You have a 17-year-old, six, three, 250-pound son that could be very dangerous because we can't out-physical them. And so we need to put them in an environment where that doesn't work anymore, that they can't use their aggression, use their size to be able to manipulate and get, uh, you know, whatever they want or wherever they are. But to me, to parents, and I've, and I've worked with families for this for years, that is the first thing I say to is you are exactly helping your child by doing this because you're putting them in an environment you're giving them the resources. You're giving them the hope. You're giving them the professionals that are there to help you. That are there to help them. Akin to taking your child to the hospital, right? If your hosp- yeah. if your child was very sick or had broken bones or you know uh, uh, was in an accident, we take them to the hospital so that the professionals are there to take care of them, right? Yeah. And that would be a similar analogy is we're taking them to the professionals in, a, in an environment in which they will be helped.
1: I feel like Vince, that part of the reason why people are so mad um, and believe me, I have my emotions too about this mom who I hate the language that she used that she rehomed her four-year-old child on the autism spectrum. And I think one of the reasons why people are so mad is because it's a small child. and And so they feel like she... I presume, I mean, I've, I've heard people who have said, you know, she shouldn't have given her child up. Um, and it isn't something that we see frequently where, a ch- uh, a parent of a small child says, look, the autism is too much. And so I'm going to place my child in a different environment, but we do see it sometimes. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, Uh, what you can say about this, but it's like, for me, if if somebody has gotten to the point where that's what they're looking at, it seems a no brainer to me that that is a much better solution than letting it fester because even if they don't harm the child, emotionally they're harming the child because I think children can tell when they're not, when somebody doesn't wanna be with them, when they're a burden, even a four year old with autism can tell when they're
0: not wanted, am I crazy? no you're exactly right and the thing is i think the, the the big outcry is because this was done on a social media stage right this actually happens a lot more than people know because it's done with professionals in a in a way where the child's taken care of, the family's taken care of, they're placed you know somewhere where they're they're going to be cared for and they're going to you know they're going to be able to to thrive as they continue to age. I think the outrage right now is because it's now been done on you know by social media influencers on a social media stage. But you're right. We have to look at these situations. What is is best for that situation? Now, again, I don't know this family. I don't know what they did or didn't do. But I agree with you. I feel that if they know their limitations and they know this is something, they're not going to be able to provide the time, the effort. You know this more than anyone. The time, the effort, the patience, the practice that they're going to need to do to have their child survive, to have their child thrive, to have their child... Uh, continue to progress and 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 reach all their goals. It is better for that child f- and for them to have someone else that can do that for them, right? And yeah, I, mean, I want that child to be successful, and we yeah. want them to be successful. And if that's the, what they need to do, that's best for the child. Yeah.
1: I think with a lot of families, if they're having intense issues with a four year old, you know, and again, this does happen. It's not that that it's never happened before but it's never been so much in the public eye before. But I think the typical thing is if we're having this many problems with a four year old that more experts come in, maybe the child is taken out of the home for a period of time but the expectation is the child will come back to the home. and they you know, another family, but I have seen it. I've actually seen it before where the child went out of the home to go be with someone else, to be able to get intensive care because the family was not able to provide it because there were so many children in the home and the parents were working and so on and so forth. But that ultimately everyone decided that the child was doing so much better in the other place that everyone stayed involved in the child's life, but the child did continue to live with, the other family, and eventually they became the legal guardians to the family because it worked. It made more sense. It was better for the child,
0: um, and that the child was doing better. That was it. The child yeah. was doing better. The parent did what they had to do, even though it probably broke their heart. But the child was better, and that made it worth it. And that's what made the parent say, "I'm still involved. I'm still a part in their life. He's doing well. Let's keep that going, right?" But that parent stayed involved. That parents stayed involved in that treatment. They stayed involved and saw that it was working, which is, you know, again, a different version of of sometimes having, you know, having the child in a different environment is beneficial. And you can do that without losing the relationship, without losing the bond, without losing the active participation in their lives.
1: Yes, I feel that part of parenting is that forever there is gonna be a piece of yourself that is gonna put another human being before your own wishes, hopes, and desires. That's what I personally feel like parenting is. Mm -hmm. That there's always gonna be a piece of you that is going to put their welfare um, at least on a par with yours, if not above. Uh, You know, I know that you are an amazing dad, Vince, and I know that there's nothing that you wouldn't do for your girls. And that sometimes as a parent, we have to make tough decisions that our kids don't like. Sometimes we have to do something for them that's hard in the, in the long run. I've, I've been learning about letting my child grow up, which means that sometimes I have to let him stumble and fall so that he learns. I could do it for him and it would be easier, um, but then he doesn't learn. So there's lots and lots and lots of tough decisions in life. But if we always put it through that lens and go what's best for the child, staying with the parent is not always the best decision. And ultimately when the kids get older, frequently it is not the best decision.
0: Right, right. And again, it's looking at each case in each situation and each dynamic differently, right? It's not a one size, I think what you're saying is it's not a one size fits all, right? We love children, we love, you know, we dedicated our lives to not only our own children, but to, you know, the thousands, if not more, you know, children around the world. We love children, but we can't say that's the same case for every family, for every dynamic and for every situation, because there's so many variables. So I love what you were saying is that, you know, what's best for the child could be that, I mean, that's very wide open. What's best for them could be a number of things, even if it doesn't agree with what we would do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, if I lived in a perfect world and I could hit rewind mm-hmm. and we could go back in time and let's start with the mom who, uh, you know, is the the YouTuber, um, because if there's a parent who's out there who has a four-year-old and they're having a really hard time, what would we say to that parent about like, what resources could we give them to help them either to keep the, the child at home or to help them to get through the difficult process of saying, I can't do this. What would we say to that parent to help them in their process?
0: The first thing is looking at immediate, some type of immediate relief for them. In some of it, it may, might be just talking to them about hope, showing them research, showing them all the great stuff that's now available to them, right? I mean, different than 10 years ago when a lot of this stuff wasn't as readily available to families, showing them the accessibility to treatment, showing them the results, showing them you know, uh, different resources for family care, individual care, right? Really showing them the support network that's with them. So maybe they can take a big sigh and say, okay, I'm not alone. I do have people around me and professionals around me that will help me and and will show me that hope, show me that guiding light, right? My first thing with every family is to try to make that immediate connection, try to make that immediate. You're not alone. There are a ton of resources that I am going to connect you with. Not here, go find them. I'm going to connect you with them. I'm going to connect you with social group or support groups, with professionals in ABA, professionals in psychology and counseling, whatever their family needs. So, then this way, we're guiding them rather than them leading. They don't know where to go, right? So, I want to be the light for them. I want to give them the support, show them them support. And going back to what you're saying, then that little bit of hope is our seed. And how do we grow the seed? Then that's continually working with the family, continually working with the child. Start making progress, meeting goals, seeing changes, um, you know, made in front of their eyes. Now that seed grows into a, a full, you know, a full flower of hope. Yeah,
1: and then, you know, for the families that are, you know, sometimes I'm so afraid that people are too far gone to hear. But if somebody is out there and they are depressed, mm-hmm. and they feel that there's no way out. And, um, and they are having thoughts about hurting themselves or their children, Vince, what do we tell them to do?
0: They need to reach out. You're not alone. You are absolutely not alone. You need to reach out to someone, you need to reach out to, you know, first if family members and family. If, if there's anyone that you trust, reach out to them and talk to them. If you feel there's not, you feel that that's too intimate or there's, there's not anyone around, maybe you moved or, or were displaced into an area that you don't have family and friends, reach out to a professional reach out to someone who will help you right there's lots of support groups lots of uh, therapy options no matter where we're at if you're not sure of of any you can reach out to us you can reach out to um, your your local mental health services county mental health services they're able to guide you to different supports my biggest thing is do not try to do it alone you need yeah. the support. You need someone to bounce things off of. You need someone to hold on to and let them guide you.
1: Yeah. I think it's extra hard in this COVID emergency to be able to get a hold of officials and to get, like, to, you know, you call a friend and say, can you come over and be with my child? But because of COVID, it's that much harder. And, you know, but there is, you know, last. Ditch effort there, you know, every state here in the United States has uh, a child welfare department, Um, you know, call 911 and ask for them. Um, Do what you have to do to keep yourself and your child safe. I wish that just like we learned years ago that there has to be a safe haven drop off for newborn babies that that a mother can't take care of right, that they can just drop off, there's no recriminations, whatever. I wish that there was a safe haven respite in every hospital for um, children and teens and adults with autism, that if the caregiver is not capable, that they could with no recriminations, drop their child off at a hospital and say, I need I need some respite. I need some help. I need some support. And that there would be, you know, the child would be taken and taken care of for whatever period of time. And that there were psychologists and officials that could help that individual and determine, can this child go back to this parent? Or does this child need to be someplace else for a period of time? Or does this child need to be someplace else forever? Because unfortunately, I think until we do that, we are going to have situations like we've seen this week. Right. Um, where there is a loss of life, and, and this is
0: your last, your them. last response, right? You, you have those professionals. You have nine one one. You have social services to come and help you, and maybe even remove the child from, from you know, if that's where you're at, if that's the place you're at, they will take care of your child and they will find a place for them so that you can care for yourself. It's mm-hmm. never too late. It's never too late, and there's always services there to help you even at your, your most you know, vulnerable state, you still have 911 and welfare, welfare services to come and help you and help your child. You're never, you're never alone. And
1: anything is better than what the mom did um, who killed her child. Anything, anything yeah. is better. Um, unfortunately, Vince, we're out of time, but thank you so much for being the voice of rationality because I certainly needed it this morning. And we really appreciate you. I hope that you have a great, great weekend. I wanna say to everybody, I hope that for our world and for our country that we can begin to heal with all the things that are going on right now. I encourage you if you need some help and support to reach out, to get somebody to talk to. There's so much going on right now and you're having feelings. We're all having feelings. Um, You don't have to have them alone. Um, Vince gave you some great resources and, and we will hope for a better week next week. Uh, and again, just asking for any, anybody out there include our good friend, Joanne Laura in your prayers. Thank you so much for being with us, Vince. Thank you. We'll be back on Monday. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Again, Sorry. I was late. Oh, no, no. You're fine. Uh, we'll be back on Monday until then give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.